0: What an amazing thing that a couple, a young South African couple, would be called by God to come to North America and to plant a church in the midst of our culture and country. As we come this morning, it is indeed our lives that testify to the goodness and grace of Jesus Christ. And we have been studying about the importance of the local church body, the priority of the local church body within the life of the Christian. And I pray that you have seen the priority that the church is to have within the life of those who say that they love Jesus Christ. Indeed, we have said that Jesus Christ has died in order to purchase His body, His bride, the church, and we see that He has obtained it with His own blood in passages like Acts 20-28. One of many metaphors Scripture uses for the church is that they that we are the bride of Jesus Christ. And indeed, as we talk a little bit about that, we understand that if a man tells a woman that he loves her, that he's devoted to her, that he cares deeply for her and wants to spend the rest of her life with her, and yet refuses to commit to her in marriage. We understand he's not really serious, don't we? Maybe you're here today, young lady, and you need to hear that fully. That if a man tells you he loves you, tells you he 's committed to you tells you he wants to spend the rest of his life with you, and yet he is unwilling to finalize that by committing to you in marriage, then the man is not too serious if he simply shows up at the house whenever he likes uh, for whenever he likes so that he can get something that he needs when he never emotionally invests in the relationship when he's never never demonstrating his love for you never Never sacrificing for you, never putting his needs, your, your needs in front of his own, never financially supporting you, never taking the step to cast a cloak of love, of protection and provision over you. Listen, that man is not serious about expressing love for you, is he? That's not love, that's selfishness. But love is this, love is selfless, love is sacrificial, love is willing to give up my own interests, my own desires, my own personal well-being for the sake of another. In my mind, there are two very distinct moments at which I learned what it was to selflessly and sacrificially love. No, I'm not talking about whether there are butterflies in the pits of your stomach type of love. I'm talking about true selfless and sacrificial love. Love that would carry another despite harming even myself. Now the first moment at which I learned about selfless and sacrificial love in a full way is that moment that I am thinking of there on June the 7th, 2008 as I stood at the altar of First Baptist Church, Barnesville and I beheld the most beautiful, wonderful woman that God has ever made and gifted to mankind. And I saw her come down that aisle and I stood before the pastor and that pastor asked me, will you have this woman in better or worse for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, in, in uh, blah, 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 in something. <laughs> in prosperity and in poverty. Will you take this woman to have and to hold for the rest of your life? Loving her, caring for her, putting her interest even above your own. And my answer was clear and it would be just as clear today as it was Three and a half years ago, absolutely I do. I love her. And in that moment, I understood what selfless, sacrificial love was. A willing to give up my own interests. A willing to die to my own desires in order that I might love and serve another so that my protection and provision might be extended to another. That was the most uh, amazing moment where I came to understand that God, by His grace, had given me a great gift but also a great responsibility second time that I understood exactly what love was a selfless sacrificial love was that moment when I held that precious little or little blue-eyed bundle of joy on December 17 2010 when I looked down at that precious little baby as I held him in my arms for the first time and I looked down at that child and I said William Jeffrey Wiggins you need to know three things first of all you're a sinner by nature and by choice second of all you You need a Savior named Jesus Christ. And third of all, you need to get a job. (laughs) But you know, in that moment, I knew the protection and provision of a father that would give up even his own life for the sake of that child would be extended from that point on and forevermore. There would never be a moment where I would not willingly sacrifice anything and everything to protect and provide for that child. This is selfless. This is sacrificial love. That selfless and sacrificial love is the kind of love which our Lord calls us to exercise towards one another. And I want you to see in the text that we are going to study this morning by... The, the the perfect and pure love of God is exercised. It is patterned, demonstrated by God towards us in Christ Jesus. It is extended to us by God the Father to all of His children. It is indeed to be reflected by His children in the context of our relationship. See, in other words, our relationships with one another are to be a proving ground. They are a proving ground for the love that we say that we have towards God. If we love God, if we are committed to God, indeed, our relationships are the place that that is to be born witness, where we are to testify the truthfulness of that statement by loving one another, even as Christ Jesus has loved us. See, Our relationships are to be a vibrant witness to the watching world of the true transformative work of the gospel in the hearts and lives of each and every individual Christian. As God's children, we testify to the truthfulness of the gospel through the love in our relationships with one another. We want to be demonstrations, witness, demonstrations, and witnesses of God's gracious, selfless, and sacrificial love. Then we must love one another, even as He has called us, even as He has loved us. And so, let us look to the Scripture there in John fifteen, verses twelve through seventeen, and let us see in this passage the call and the command of Jesus Christ to God's children to love one another, to love one another, let's stand now and honor the reading of this God's holy and inspired word. John chapter 15, verses 12 and following reads as follows. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He may give you. This I command you that you love one another this i command you that you love one another father we pray that in this time you would teach us to love father that you would show open up our eyes show us your love for us father your redemptive love that has saved our souls and secured our destiny and father as we reflect upon that as we understand it as we revel in that love father let us then open up our lives and show love to all those around us. Lord, we pray now that you would take us and use us as vessels of your ministry, extending your gospel kingdom to the ends of the earth. Father, we pray that you would speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. We see in this passage that God's Perfect and pure love for his children is defined by the selfless and sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. That's how we see. That's how we know. That's how we understand what love is. It is defined by the selfless and sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. And yet these characteristics of selfless and sacrificial love are to define our love for one another. It is to govern and rule the relationships that we have with one another. And so this morning as we start, as we see this, we need need to understand that our testimonies are are indeed solid witnesses to the world of God's love when we love each other in the most practical of ways. If we are to be living testimonies, if we are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, then we must embrace and exude the same type of selfless and sacrificial love for one another that Jesus Christ has expressed and extended to us. See verses one through eleven, Jesus says if uh, for all those who are abiding in him, living in him, we are united or in union with the true vine. We have true life. And though we may be growing at various rates and various places for various purposes in God's kingdom, we are all united in union in union with the true vine. Then we are true branches who have true life and are bearing true fruit. See, this union with Christ fills us with joy to live out true love, selfless and sacrificial love for one another in true community in the midst of the context of the church where we have real relationships with real problems, with real people, with real hard heads and real hard hearts. We have to know God's love. And we have to live in it and then we have to share it and show it to one another. Indeed, we understand that if we want to be people who know and are used mightily for God's purposes within this kingdom, then we must be people who exercise pure and perfect love by expressing selfless and sacrificial love for one another. Now, as we walk through the text today, we're going to see, first of all, that we we are to have pure and perfect love that is demonstrated, that is patterned by Jesus Christ himself. We are to have pure and perfect love that is indeed extended by God himself and that we are to have pure and perfect love, which is reflected by us in our relationships. First of all, there in verse 12, let's look and see that pure and perfect and pure love is patterned by Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ who sets the standard. Look at what he says. This is my commandment that you love one another what? Just as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you. You See, when our culture defines love, we are told that love is to be self-centered. It is to be self-serving. We are to love those who are able to do the most for us. Watch the movies. Listen to what they say. They tell us that our love should always be based on who or what can benefit us the most. Who do you need to love? You need to love the one that can give you the most. Who do you need to love? The one who can who can just overwhelm you with the materialistic things of this world. In other words, my care, my concern, my consideration for others is to be based upon who they are and what they can do for me. That's the message of the culture. That's the message of the world. That's what Satan wants you to believe true love is. But understand, when we walk in this way, we limit our questions about our love to things like, are they nice? Are they respectful? Are they mannerly? Are they good for me? Are they what? Able to give me anything I want. And let's just be honest, far too many of our marriages were based on that one question, weren't they? Are they able to give me what I want? Are they the biggest benefit to me? See, that's the culture standpoint. But listen to what God says. On the other hand, God demonstrates perfect and pure love by loving those who seem to be unlovable. What an amazing demonstration of love is present in Christ's selfless and sacrificial love. His willingness to come and live a perfect life, die an atoning death and rise again in glorious victory so that you and I might have eternal life. See, Jesus didn't die for those who were close to Him. He didn't die for those who had already expressed repentance and faith in Him. He died for those who were His enemies. That's what Romans chapter 5 says, isn't it? It says, for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for who? Us, while we were good, while we were godly, while we were attempting to be good moral people. No, while we were sinners who were separated from His eternal kingdom. Listen to what Colossians chapter 1 verse 21 and 22 say when it says, Although you were once alienated and hostile in mind. What were we? Hostile in mind engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. What a good, what a gracious, what a great God we serve. He didn't just leave us where we were. He didn't just, he didn't just walk past us and say, I hope you can get out of this mud pit. He picked us up. He dusted us off. He washed us up and he put us before the world to be a testimony that God loves even even his enemies. Christ didn't give His life for us after we had repented and asked for forgiveness. He didn't wait until we started to seek Him. But while we were still ungodly sinners going our own way, rejecting His commands, ignoring His teachings, showing contempt for His love and His mercy, Christ came to us. Can you just imagine that? That flies in the face of what the world says love truly is. Love is who can do the most for me and who can benefit me the most. But God says... Love is this, when you could do nothing, I loved you. What passion, what grace. See, there may be some of us who would be willing to sacrifice selflessly our lives for the good of our family, for that beloved wife, for that beloved son, for those who are most precious and dear to us. There are very few of us who are looking for opportunities to love others in the same way that God has loved by giving our lives for those who would be an enemy. That's something entirely different from what the world says. This kind of love is beyond the ability of this world to comprehend. And yet that's the same kind of love that Christ commands of us in Luke chapter 6 verses thirty-seven through or 27 through 35 when Jesus says, but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who persecute you. If you love those who love you, what credit is it is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. But listen to what Jesus says. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. I want you to get the right perspective of where Jesus is. He's about to go to the cross. In fact, He's probably about 24 hours removed from taking upon Himself the penalty of sin for mankind. And He looks at His disciples and He says, Listen, you want to know how you ought to love? I command you to love, and I command you to love one another even as I have loved you. I'm the pattern. I'm the example. I'm the demonstration of what love is. And I want you to contrast our love love at its height with his love at its core it is our love is but a drop in an ocean it is a poor flickering candle that is held up beside the bright and bright and shining sun at its my love only now and then is ready to give away a little money to spend just a little bit, to sacrifice just a little bit of leisure to inconvenience myself just a minute bit to offer just a little dribble of sympathy upon the people who are its objects. But listen, Christ's love nailed Him to the tree. Christ loved you. So much that it nailed him to the tree. He was willing to sacrifice everything. His love indeed drove him to trade the throne of glory for the thorns of Golgotha. That's how much he loved you. That's how much he loved me. Indeed, we need to see that that is our pattern and that perfect and pure love is demonstrated by God in this, a selfless and sacrificial act that redeemed His enemies through love. Secondly, not only do we need to see that that is the pattern of life, but second of all, that perfect and pure love is extended to God by, uh, extended by God to his children. Perfect and pure love is extended by God to his children. What does it say in verse 13? Greater love has no man than this. Than what? Than that he would be willing to die that He would be willing to die to lay down His life for His friends. Did you catch that amazing statement? Here is Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, revealing the pinnacle of love in humanity as His death on the cross. Jesus is saying, you want to see love? You want to know love? You want to understand what love is and how it ought to be expressed? Here it is. I give my life in your place. He says that the greatest love that could ever be known or seen is a sacrificial and selfless love that would willingly die for the objects of its affections. And now we just rehearse the fact that God has patterned, uh, patterned what selfless and sacrificial love is in Jesus Christ by his willingness to die for his enemy. And yet here he says, my enemies, those who once rejected me, reviled me, who chose to live by their own desires and not by my desires, who live for their own kingdoms and not for my kingdom. Those who were once my enemies are now my friends. How great is that? What a wonderful moment. When God reaches down and he says, listen, you once were my enemies, but now you're my friends. I have given selfless and sacrificial love so that you might experience the greatest trade of all time. Here is our eternal, omnipotent creator calling those that once were his enemies. They're his friends. Christ our creator. Christ, our Creator, has been revealing the eternal kingdom of God through His words and His works throughout the Gospels. And as He is prepared to take on that cruel cross as a common criminal so that He might receive the wrath of God in our place and receive the full penalty of our sins, He steps before the people and says, listen, you want to know how to love? Here's love. I'm your Creator and I'm willing to die to redeem you. I'll give myself for you. What an amazing thought. The creator of the universe, the king of glory, the ruler of eternity calls his created creatures who have chosen to willfully and hopefully reject him. He calls them his friends. Take that one step further. Just take it just a little bit further in the fact that our king was willing to die to redeem us from our status as enemies of his kingdom and his throne. He gave himself up willingly for our sake. No one takes my life from me, but what? I lay it down. Our creator and king gives himself for his servants. Let me explain it to you like this. When a king is willing to die for his servants, it doesn't say much about the servants. It says much about the king. When a king is willing to die for his subjects, for his servants, it says much about the king, not about the servants. See, we were not in any way. We weren't weren't even seeking God or his kingdom. And yet God, in His grace and glory, extended to us Jesus Christ to redeem us from our sin. The King, our Creator, was willing to die for us. And it says much about His grace, about His glory, about His love, about His mercy, not much about us. In fact, He says in verse 16 that He chose us, not that we did not choose Him, but rather He chose us. He appointed us to bear fruit. Fruit that displays that we are connected to the true vine. Indeed, we are those who are expressing the fruit of the Spirit. If we are truly in Christ Jesus, we are expressing love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We are sharing and showing the Gospel by the way that we live our lives within the context of this world we are demonstrating before the people the grace of God the redemption that was extended to us in Christ Jesus see we will be working and witnessing for God's eternal kingdom through living our lives for his sake for giving up our lives for the sake of those who we love and who are called friends Additionally, through this redemptive relationship, we receive access to the throne of our Lord in the name of Jesus Christ, His Son. It says at the end there, verse 16, it says, listen so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He may give you. Now this is in the context of Him talking about the love of God being lived out through you and I. And so I want to say this to you this morning. If you're here this morning and you're struggling with how to love others in such a radical, selfless, and sacrificial way, then the first request you need to know and the first thing you need to know is that you are able to go before the throne of glory, the throne of your Creator, the throne of your King, the Lord Jesus Christ and you are to request His empowerment that you might love others in the same way that He has loved you. You have a great power source. The question is, would you plug into it? Would you plug into the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to live and to love through you? Why would we ever shudder in fear or be plagued by anxiety and hesitation within the course of our lives of loving others when our King has given us access to His presence and He has called us His beloved, His friends? How much has God loved us? How has He extended love to us? Well, John 3.16 says He has extended love to us in this, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God has extended His love to us in the per- person, in the work of Jesus Christ. If you if you remember there in 1 John chapter 4 verses 9 and 10, it said this, by this the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent His Son, His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation the payment in full, the full and final mediator of salvation to all of us who are sinners. Do you realize that one of the ways that God has for his gospel to go forward is for you and I to know and understand the extension of his grace Into our lives. His love into our lives. And then to go and tell other people. Listen to the way that Paul Tripp summarizes that passage about God being love and God demonstrating His love to us. He says this, the cross of Jesus Christ defines love. The cross of Jesus Christ, if you ever want a definition, what does it mean to love? Then here it is. The definition of love is the cross of Jesus Christ. Love is a willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that doesn't demand reciprocation or that the person being loved is deserving. Imagine how that would change and transform our homes within our community and culture. Imagine how that would change and transform the relationships within our church if we would just love each other each other in the same way that God has loved us and extended his gospel to us in the love of Jesus Christ. If we would be willing to let our eyes see and know that indeed love is a willing self-sacrifice, God gave his one and only son, his only begotten son, so that as an atoning sacrifice for sin, for the good of another, that we might be able to live through him. That doesn't demand reciprocation for God simply loves. Loved us. And that it doesn't mean that the one being loved is deserving. I don't wait on Olivia to love me so that I then love her. I love her because I love her. I love because I'm loved. And I love each and every person I come into contact with. Why? Because God first loved me. Love loves. That is the character of it. And love is defined as a selfless, sacrificial love that God has shown to us in Jesus Christ so that He might redeem us and restore us to a a reconciled relationship with Himself. It's not a payment because we deserved it. It's not because there was anything good or deserving in us. He simply loved us because He wanted to save our souls and secure our destiny. Perfect and pure love is extended to us by God the Father. Thirdly, perfect and pure love is to be reflected in our relationships. This is what I commanded you. What did He command us? Let's try that again. This is what He commanded you. What did He command us? Love one another. Love one another. Jesus closes the section the same way He opens it. He says, listen, I've got a call for you. I've got a command for you. I've got something that you need to fulfill. And if you truly love me, you're going to obey my commands. You're going to walk in what I say. And I need to tell you, you need to do something. And here it is. What a great calling. What a great command. love one another. Express the love of God for one another. In the Old Testament, there was a calling. The first and greatest command was to what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the first and greatest command. The second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, hey, I want to extend that a little bit further. You need to love one another even as I have loved you. You need to love one another. You love each other so much that you are willing to selflessly and sacrificially lay down your life for one another. Listen, the Bible says that the quality of our love for God can be measured by our love for others. Do you understand that? That if you want to prove that you are a lover of God, that you are seeking Him, that you are serving Him, that you are giving yourself unreservedly for Him, then you love others even as He has loved you. In verses 7 and 8 of First John chapter 4, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. In other words, it's to be a natural reflection in our lives, in our relationships, if we truly know the love of God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Verses 11 and 12 say that, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Did you catch that movement right there? Did you catch what he said? He just said, you're the reflection of God's love. How's God going to show and share the gospel to the ends of the earth? He's going to show and share the gospel to the ends of the earth by letting you love one another and love others, even as he has loved you. The greatest testimony. To the watching world of God's love and transforming power in the gospel is our lives, church. It's our lives. It's me loving Steve Brogdon. Man, that's hard. It's for you to love me. It's for you to reach out for us together to share and to show the love of Christ. Indeed, church, we ought to be the most loving place in the world. When people walk in, we shouldn't look at them differently. We shouldn't shun them. We shouldn't push them away. We should run to them. And as we have experienced the love of Christ enveloping us in the gospel, we reach out and share that with others. We ask them to go to lunch. We ask them to spend some time. We ask them to come over and share our homes and to and invest in their lives lives so that we might show the love of Christ in a practical and real way so that they might see and know and embrace the love of Christ and the gospel of Jesus as well. Children and youth, how are you doing? How are you doing in loving those who are around you? Are you ministering to them? Are you reaching out to them with the love of Christ? Are you showing them the same love of Christ that He has shown you? Because you have a very important ministry. You have a very important part to play by reaching out and ministering to those who come into your Awana group, into the youth group, those who spend time with you. Listen, we need to be a church whose testimony is that we have experienced and known the transformational love of God in such a real way that every person we meet from this day forward, we will love no matter the cost to ourselves. Husbands, wives, how are you doing at home? Listen, the backbiting, the bickering, and the arguing back and forth is not really a demonstration that you just lack a love a right love for each other, it's actually a symptom of a more important problem. And that problem is we lack a love for our Father. We lack the love of God. When we fill our lives with bickering and backbiting and arguing and we fill our lives with talking about one another and uh, tearing each other down, listen, you know what that says? It's not that we just don't love one another rightly. It's actually a symptom that we don't love our Father rightly. That we aren't living in His love. Brothers and sisters, what does that mean to you? It means that if you are not loving one another as Christ loved you, then you are not truly of God. Look at verses nineteen through twenty one and see what it says. In in first John chapter four, verses nineteen through twenty one, we love because he first loved us. If one as someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar, for the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, in your home, the greatest testimony of the transcendent transformational work of Jesus Christ in your life is how you live in relationship to your brothers and sisters. Love God, love others. That's what's being said. Indeed, if we say that we love God whom we have not seen, and yet we don't love one another who we have seen, then the truth of of that eternal life and eternal love is not within us. Just a reading of the New Testament reveals to us God's people living in radically other-centered ways. And In other words, we are reaching out. We are living for the context of one another. We are ministering in the context of one another. We are loving one another. And as Christians, we are commanded in the New Testament to love one another, to instruct one another, to comfort one another, to serve one another, to bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, admonish one another, exhort one another, stir one another up to love and good deeds confess our sins to one another and at least 25 other times within the new testament we are told to love and to minister to one another see the church is the context of god demonstrating his love and grace to the world through our relationships with one another Perfect and pure love is to be reflected in our relationships with one another. Indeed, we understand that selfless and sacrificial love is patterned by Jesus Christ, extended to us by God the Father in Jesus Christ, and now is to be reflected by us in the context of our relationships. We are called by God to love one another and our love for one another is directly proportional to our love for God. If I love God rightly, then I'm going to love you just as He has loved me. If I don't love God rightly, the problem exists with me and it lays upon me, not upon you. If we truly know the redemptive love of God, it is going to fill and flood our relationships in such a practical way that the world's going to stop and take notice and say, what's different about him or her? See, God's perfect and pure love for His children is defined by the selfless and sacrificial love of Jesus Christ and those characteristics are to demonstrate our love for one another. So we close this morning I want to close with a story. The story is of a man named Babe Ruth. Ever heard of him? Of course we have. The big Bambino. I mean 714 home runs. Amazing mark it was going to, it existed all the way up until Henry Aaron broke it and still it is an amazing accomplishment of that man who could hit the ball out of the park. He was a hero to many. He was loved and adored by fans throughout the sports world, throughout America. Indeed, some of you may have known and, and loved, uh, loved Babe Ruth. I believe Jim Dixon, you might have played, played ball with him, didn't you? I mean, when y'all were growing up, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're not quite there. But understand, the world loved that man. But in his closing years, he started to falter. He started to fall apart. He started to have real issues. And then all of a sudden, as the fan base started to turn on that one who they had loved so deeply and so passionately for so many years, the Yankees actually had to trade the big Bambino to the Braves. As he was playing with the Braves one day, Babe Ruth struck out at the plate several times. He made several fielding errors. In fact, one one inning, he made so many errors that Cincinnati was able to score five runs in the course of one inning as he walked off the field with his head hung low in dejection, wondering what in the world was wrong as he was faltering and falling apart physically. The crowd started to boo him. There were catcalls throughout the crowd. They started shaking their fists at this one who they once had loved, the one who they once had admired, the one who they once... Accepted and received as their hero. And as they did that, this little boy jumped the guardrail, ran across the field with his tears streaming down his face, and he wrapped his arms of love around that great man and just held on. And he loved him. He loved him deeply and passionately. He showed, in a practical way that he was not giving up on him, he wasn't letting go. and as they walked off the field hand in hand, they went and they sat down and rest there in the dugout. I want you to understand: each of us, at one point or another, is like Babe Ruth. We had nothing to offer. We were used up. We were washed up. We were wasted by sin. And yet Jesus Christ leapt across the railing of glory. He sprinted out onto the field of human history. And He crawled upon the cross. And He suffered and He died to receive the penalty of your sin and my sin. And After He did suffer that selfless and sacrificial death, On the cross, on the third day, He rose again in glorious victory. And then He leapt across the guardrails of time. He came and He found me. That One who was used up. That One who was wasted. That One who was wanting of someone to love Him and save Him. He came and He wrapped His arms of love around me. He loved me. He hugged me deeply. He cared for me. He redeemed me. And when I gave Him my life, He took my hand and He is leading me on through the field of this life. What a gracious God we serve. What great love. If you don't know the love of Christ in your heart, then today I invite you to repent of your sins, ask for God to forgive you of those sins, the penalty of those sins, and place your faith in Jesus Christ. He'll wrap His arms of love around you right where you are, and He will extend to you the most gracious, gracious, and good love you could ever find. If you know His love, then I want to challenge you with something. If you know His love, why don't you share it with everyone that you know? Wrap your arms around those around you, those in the church, those in your community who are suffering, who are dealing with hardships and difficulties. Wrap your arms of love around them and love one another just as God has loved you in Christ Jesus. Father, we pray now that you would draw our hearts to see our sin, to see your Savior. And Father, to love you more than we love ourselves and more than we love our kingdom. Lord, let us surrender ourselves fully and finally to you and to you alone. And Father, as we come today, To the close of this service, if there is anyone here who needs to know and experience the love of Jesus Christ, the redemptive love of Jesus Christ, to set them in a right place before Your throne, Father, I pray that You would draw them to Yourself now, that You would cause them to step out and to come forward and to let the whole congregation know that indeed, Your love has changed and transformed their lives. Father, for those of us who know Your love, I pray that you, moment by moment, through the work of your Holy Spirit, would lead us to express it to others and reflect it to others in the way that we love one another. Father, change and transform our lives. Change and transform our homes. Change and transform our friendships. Change and transform our community through the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts and lives. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together for our hymn of invitation. If you have a decision that you need to share now, I invite you to come now and make that known. Let us pray that indeed God would let us show our love, uh, show His love for us and our love for one another. Let's sing together as we close this morning.